and uh, jump into some worship. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for another opportunity to come before you and worship you, to lift praises to your name. We just invite you into this place. Meet with your people. Lord, as we bless you, we ask that you would bless us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What Forrest forgot to tell you is that we're all a part of the choir. Let's sing this one and let Jesus hear it. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah, my weapon is a melody, I raise a hallelujah, heaven comes to fight for me. Then I'm gonna sing to the middle of the storm, louder and louder. Hear my praises roar up from the ashes. Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Hallelujah. Everything inside of me.
I do have a uh, special thanks. Um, my first and foremost thanks is is to Jesus Christ. Uh, he's given us an ability and a talent, a desire, a motivation to be up here. Um, he's brought us together. It's it's an honor to sing for him and to him and and give him something back for everything he's ever done for us. And and also too, I thank you as a church for accepting us, letting us in, letting us do this, um, and, you know, watching us grow, and it's, it's an absolute honor to be here and, and doing this with you.
this song has a, a special place for me. I was uh, given the task of looking for a specific song, and I came across this one. And uh, when you, you read about the prodigal son, you know, which role do you play in that story? Are you this son, that son, the father? You know, and, and a lot of times we can put ourselves into that position and be, you know, the father and my son, he needs to apologize to me. But what about, you know, you yourself or me, myself being that prodigal son? And um, it's, it's highly encouraging to know that, um, yeah, I've strayed away here and there in my life, but it's been, it's been encouraging to, you know, come back and he's been there waiting for me the entire time.
I'm home. Lord, I'm home. I am loved by you. You approve of me. I am home. I have found in you my identity. Thank you again. Let's take a few minutes, meet somebody, greet somebody, find somebody new, high five, handshake. Hello, how are you? Thank you.
Hello? Good morning. It's nice to see some faces I haven't seen in a long while and some new faces. And thank you to our new worship team. You guys did an awesome job. It's so exciting for me and I know for Forrest to just see how God um, can just, you know, such beauty can rise from the ashes. So I'm so thrilled to see all of you here today. All right, I have a couple announcements. First of all, there's a ministry sign up in the back there where Pete's standing. And you can um, sign up for any type of ministry. There's quite a list there, and there's many needs. And so if you would like to help, um, I would just ask that you would pray about it throughout the week and um, just see where God would have you. And then Kids Life will launch August 9th. And um, we've got lots of kids, which is super exciting. And our friend Rachel, Rachel uh, Butler, came from... Palmdale, California, originally from Arizona, but she has been willing to step up and teach our children. So Stana Maria Neff will be coming in uh, on the 9th, and Rachel will be shadowing them, and then when they they leave, then she's been passed the baton. She's actually asked. I will hold that baton, and we thank her for it. So... um, And then the kiddos, for those of you kids who have been here three weeks in a row and you have three stickers on your bag, when you come in and check it in to me at the end of the night or the end of the service, (laughs) we will um, have a a little prize box that you can choose something from. And then lastly, tithe and offering. Um, As you guys know, we've gone to kind of a, a touchless system. I guess you have to touch it, but nobody else is. And in the back, there's a little box there with a slot, and you can put cash or checks. And then also, uh, you know, there's also the online option, which you can do through debit card or your ACH, ACH, your checking account. So anyway, uh, Forrest, I think, has just a couple more announcements, and then we'll get going. Thank you. I love her. Isn't she great? I'm par- I'm partial though I'm partial. A um, couple other things I'm going to reference this uh, at the end of the message, but we finally have the library in the back. So when I was buying books, I was like, man, it's gonna. It doesn't look like there's. It's kind of empty. It's like an empty bookshelf, but we have a few books back there um, for you guys to go ahead and read that it's like I said last week it's all honor system so if there's a book you're interested in take it take it home read it bring it back and grab a different one that way everyone can uh, get some wisdom and knowledge from those books Um, the only ones that I don't want to go home are the the kids power bible it's the comic book version of the bible Uh, I just would like them to stay back there the kids can go and look at them and read them while they're here waiting for parents quit talking at the end of service or even before service and that's mine there she's very vocal and uh but anyway i'm very excited about that because i know um i want i want you to have information i want you to be able to read books and get some knowledge uh that way and then uh we have a baby shower for tiffany uh coming up 
on August 15th. It's at 3 p.m. And uh, all of the ladies are invited. So if you would like to go, you are invited to go uh, bless her and be a part of that. And uh, if you're interested, go and see her afterwards. Tiffany, can you let everyone know who you are? She's back there in the back. So uh, go ahead and uh, let her know if you want to go. So over the last um, few weeks, we've been going over uh, a series on the uh, parables of Jesus. And a couple of weeks ago when we uh, reopened, we talked about new wineskins and old wineskins and um, that Jesus uses new things to impact communities, uh, to encourage us to stay teachable and coachable and open to God doing new uh, things, new uh, ministries, and, and uh, maybe things will look different in the future. I used the example of worship music and how that's changed over uh, the centuries and how it, each generation, their take on it has impacted uh, communities and the world. And then last week, um, we looked at the ten virgins and how five were prepared, five weren't prepared, and what it meant for us to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus. And I encouraged you to let the love of Jesus draw your heart to be prepared, that realizing that only through the relationship with Jesus would we really be ready uh, for him to come back and that we need that, that personal relationship with him. And in this final week, uh, we're going to look at three different parables, but they all intertwine. They all uh, kind of correlate with one another. But before I jump into that, it reminded me of stories, and my wife will laugh at me, or get, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I have an issue. This is confession time. I have an issue, and it's with leaving stuff on top of the car. Now, I blame my height, because for me, the top of the car is eye level. So I, I put everything up there. It's, she went to go somewhere one day, and I had put boxes on top of the Jetta because they were in the back of the van. And it's like, well, that's a logical spot. And one time we were leaving somewhere, and we were going down I-80 eastbound. And I, can't, I don't know why, but it was like, you know where my phone is? I, I, it's not in my pocket. It's not on the console. It's not in the door and I begin to retrace my steps and it's like we need to call the neighbor so we call the neighbor and we're like hey Don can you go look in the street and see if my phone's there and sure enough in the middle of the street there is my phone and thankfully no one ran it over uh, the, the case wasn't even damaged so it was like phew you think I'd learn well then the other day well when the last um Star Wars movie came out. I'm a Star Wars fan, and so I had to buy it. Allison goes to run an errand, and she's coming back, and it hits me. It's like, I left the movie on top of the car. So I run out to the van, and I'm like, Allison, did you happen to grab the movie? She's like, what movie? So we get in the van, and we start driving, and they're right on, not the main road, but it's a busy road. It's the movie sitting in the Walmart bag in the middle of the street. It wasn't damaged. It was okay. But it's like, man, okay, got to stop doing that. Well, two weeks ago? Yep. Um, so my 
we're getting ready to go somewhere, and it's brighter than bright, and I can't find my sunglasses. And I'm like, I, I, that has a home. It's one of three places. It's in the Jetta. It's next to the emergency brake under the console. In the motorcycle, it's in the compartment above the tank, and in the van, or now our new car, it's in the door. It wasn't any of, any of those places. Like, ah, that's where I put it over there, and I go, and I look, and it's not there. And then I thought I left it in, in the backyard. I couldn't find them. It's like, well, we're going to be late, so we got to go. We're driving down 1,000 north, and Allison's like, did you hear that? Did you see that? I'm like, no. She's like, I know something just went off the top of the car. We'll pull over. And so in my mind, I'm like, if this is my sunglasses, I got it. So here I am running up 1,000 north trying to, and sure enough, I should have had you bring in the case. The, there's my sunglasses. The case is all mangled. The sunglasses are not damaged. They're sitting there perfectly fine in the middle of the street. And it's like, my, I really got to stop. But again, it's not my fault. It's because I'm tall. And it's, it's a good, that's terrible. Do you guys ever do anything like that? Do you, like another bad thing I do is like, I'm going to put it in a place I'll never forget. Like that's the place and it'll be easy to find and it's never easy to find. Yeah, so every time I had lost my things and found them, my reaction was rejoicing. It's like, hey, my $800 phone's not broken. Or, hey, my $300 sunglasses because their prescription aren't broken. And it's, I think that's kind of our reaction. We, we rejoice and hopefully, you know, our behavior changes. Mine hasn't yet. Hopefully, I'll learn from these mistakes. But... That's what we're going to be talking about today is things that were lost that have been found. And I, I, I had this thought um, when I was putting this together that heaven celebrates when people accept God's grace. That heaven celebrates when people accept God's grace. And we'll be going through this and we'll be looking at Luke chapter 15 verses 1 through 32 we're going to have to go quickly. Um, when I did my little test run through, I went for 55 minutes. And so if we, that's 1230. And we, I, yeah, we'll be hungry by then. So we're going to have to move quick. And because uh, there's a lot of information. So fasten your seatbelts because we're going to go on the wildest ride in the wilderness. And that's my Disney plug. But anyway, um, let's pray. Father, we thank you. For today, we thank you for another opportunity to look into your word and to pull principles from it. And I ask, Father, that you would open our ears to hear what you are saying, open our spirits to receive it. I ask, Father, that you would teach us today from your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you got your Bible, your phone, your tablet, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. It will be up here on the screen. Uh, we're going to start in verses 1 through 7. So starting in verse 1, it says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine to the in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. Verse 5, And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. 
I have found my sheep that was lost. Verse 7, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The, back in ancient Israel, the importance of sheep was quite high. And this is a, uh, a, a parable that the people of that day would understand. If you look back through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and Moses, and all... Your wealth was dependent or depicted through the herd you had, whether it was sheep, cattle, goats. And it's because they played an important role. Not only were they a source of food or sacrifice, but also wool for clothing. Uh, and even they talk of the fat of the tail of the sheep and the purpose that it played in their culture. So sheep were very important. So they would understand that, yeah, you've got these herd of sheep and one would wander off why you would go and try to find that. And about last year I talked, so this might be kind of a, a uh, familiar with you because I, I shared this the last time I talked about shepherds, but shepherds typically were the youngest one in the family. It would start with the oldest, and then as the, the next son grew up old enough, it moved to him and moved on down. And the shepherd uh, also would stay with the sheep. It wasn't like they would go out and tend them and then go home. They actually stayed with them. They slept with them, and they protected them. Uh, a lot of sh times, shepherds would take and make barriers around their herd of sheep with one entrance, where that they would sleep at that entrance and be that protection between the sheep and a predator. And that a staff, uh, a shepherd's staff, was more than just a stick. It was a tool used to not only herd the animal where it needed to go, but a lot of times the the staff would have a, a ball on top, and they would drive spikes through it and use it as a weapon to protect the sheep from predators. We see that with David, how he killed the lion and the bear, protecting his sheep. And um, growing up, I had heard, and I don't know if this is something that might be, be familiar to you or if, if whoever told me this was way out in left field, but I was told the reason that shepherds would, you'd see them carrying the sheep was when they'd run away, they'd break a leg and to keep the sheep from leaving again and going through my study I read that that doesn't make any sense if you have one sheep that's going to run away and you break a leg you've got to now carry that sheep for six weeks till it heals and what if you have another one that runs away now you got two three four sheep that that, that wasn't the case at all in fact I came across this midrash. And now a midrash is a textual interpretation of the Torah or of the Old Testament. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now this midrash is from a thousand years ago from a Jewish rabbi. And, and what it is, it's a commentary on the book of Exodus. And it, they share this story. Now when I found it, it was all in Hebrew. And thankfully they had... Uh, an English column to it, but it really depicts the heart of God when it came to sheep and shepherding, and it says this, one day a kid or a baby sheep ran away from the flock under Moses's care. Moses chased after it until it came to a spring and began to drink. When Moses reached the kid, he cried, oh, I didn't know that you were thirsty. He cradled the runaway kid in his arms and carried it to the flock. Said the Almighty, 
You are merciful in tending sheep. You will tend my flock, the people of Israel. You see, the response of Moses wasn't um, anger or, or and the, the reason the sheep ran away wasn't because it was wanting to be naughty and, and it was simply thirsty. And the reverend, um, I, now this name, I will say it incorrectly. So when it comes up on the screen, you can try and read it. But Luba Victor Rebe, or Rebbe, um, gave this commentary about this particular midrash. He said, Moses realized that the kid did not run away from the flock out of malice or wickedness. It was merely thirsty. Only a shepherd who hastens not to judge the runaway kid who is sensitive to the causes of its desertion, can mercifully lift it into his arms and bring it back home. My friends, that is the heart of Jesus. That is who Jesus is. When someone runs away, he is there mercifully to bring them back. If we look at uh, verse 7 in chapter 15, Jesus says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. You see, my friends, heaven celebrates when people accept God's grace. Heaven celebrates when people accept God's grace because that's his heart. That's who he is. Let's look at verse 8 through 10. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, when you think of a coin, you think of a penny, a nickel, a dime, a quarter, maybe a 50-cent piece, or even the the president dollar coin. Well, I looked up what 10 silver coins would be worth in ancient Israel. $200. If I lost $200, you better believe I'm sweeping my house trying to find 200 bucks. Uh, in my life right now, $200 is a lot of money. That's a lot of groceries. That's a lot of gas. That's um, clothes for the kids. You know, so it, it, it holds significance. Um, so if I lost that money, and then I found that money, I'm going to be pretty excited. I'm going to be pumped that I had found what I had lost. The same way with God and people. Luke 15, 10. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. My friends, heaven celebrates when people accept God's grace. Heaven celebrates when people accept God's grace. Now, one thing, as we read our Bible, we get very uh, familiar with the, the chapters and the verses. And we might lose uh, or not realize that a lot of times the stories flow with each other. Just because a, a chapter ends and a new one starts doesn't mean that necessarily that story's over. Uh, last uh, over the last couple weeks, I, I've said as we've gone through things that we've got to go back to chapter 24 to understand what Jesus is talking about in chapter 25. Jesus is setting the stage for his second coming in chapter 24, 
And then he tells us about it in chapter 25. And we kind of see the same thing here with this story. In the last sentence of chapter 14, Jesus says, uh, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now this is a phrase I say a lot. Um, I, I said it a lot when I was leading worship. I even said it today when I was praying. And it, it comes from this desire that, that really cultivated when I was going through uh, seminary was I didn't want to miss what God was doing. I didn't want to be closed off to what he was saying. I wanted to be open to where he w was moving me. And, and if my ears aren't open to hear, then I'm going to miss that. Now, I'm not talking about your physical ears, because there's a lot of people that over the last two weeks and this week, they'll hear the principles in God's word, and it'll go in one ear and out the other. They hear it with their physical ears. I'm talking spiritual ears. Your spiritual ears need to be open to what God is saying, and that's when his word starts to impact our hearts and impact our lives and actually start changing our character and changing who we are and making us more like Jesus. So we hear Jesus make this appeal to his people. If you got ears to hear, then hear. Well, then we find Jesus in the beginning of chapter 15. He's hanging out again with the people you don't hang out with. He's hanging out with the people that are sinners or um, unclean. Uh, people, it, when you go back to the law and you, you read the book of Leviticus, it's, it's a page turner. If you want a book that will keep your attention and you driving and wanting more, read Leviticus. They laugh because they've read Leviticus, and it's not that at all. It's very dry and kind of like, uh, okay. But it's very important. Leviticus is important because you have to understand what the law was to fully appreciate what Jesus did when he fulfilled it. Uh, without understanding what the law tells us, you don't fully grasp the, the, what Jesus did on the cross. And the Pharisees, all they know is the law. So when they see Jesus associating with these people, they get upset. They start to grumble. They start to, they don't understand because according to the law, he's not supposed to be in this situation. He's not supposed to put himself with these people. But I would argue those are the people that we do need to talk to. Those are the people we need to spend time with. You know, the, the, the adage is true, um, bad company corrupts good character. So you have to be wise. You have to use wisdom in those dealings with people. But at the same time, we don't separate ourselves from them. We need to be open to that conversation. We need to be open to that type of friendship because it's through those friendships we see Jesus impacting crowds and crowds of people. So once the Pharisees start grumbling, what does Jesus do? He goes into story mode, and he starts telling them parables. And he ends with this parable in verse 11. And it says this, And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in, in reckless living. 
And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your, young, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost, and he is found. I think some of us can relate to that story. I think some of us are one of the two characters. Some of us, for some reason, have got to learn the hard way. We think we, we, we know what's best, and we go out and we do what we want. And we might look at the prodigal son as maybe an entitled punk kid. What right does he have to take an inheritance that wasn't for him to take yet, and then to go and squander it, and then find himself in this situation. He deserves to eat the pods from the pigs. That's what he deserves. He squandered everything. But when he hit rock bottom, he was humbled, and he became repentant. And he said, you know, I'm just going to go home and tell Dad that yeah, I messed up, and I'm sorry. I'm not asking to be brought back into the house, into the family. Just let me be one of your servants so I don't starve to death. And so we went home. And if you're anything like me, as you're, wa as you're playing out a scenario in your brain, at least I run the conversation through my head a thousand different times in a thousand different scenarios, a thousand different outcomes. So I can only imagine as he's walking home, Man, what's dad going to say? Is he going to be mad? Probably. Is he going to accept me back in? Eh, probably not. But what if he does? But what if he doesn't? 
and probably just playing mind games with himself as he's making this journey home. And as he starts to make his way up the walk, who sees him? Was it a servant? No. Was it his brother? No. It was his father. See, his father had never lost hope. His father had never stopped looking. He never stopped anticipating. He never stopped longing for his son to come home. He knew he was going to go mess up, but he knew he would come home. So when they make, when, when he sees him, does he stay there? No, he runs out to the son. He runs to him and he says, welcome home. And the son begins into his speech. Yeah, but dad, I, I don't deserve to be your son. I don't deserve, I'm not here to ask for anything except to be hired so I don't starve. And he says, no, that's not the way this works. You see, I'm going to put my robe on you because you're mine. And I'm going to put my ring on you because everything I own is yours. And I'm going to put shoes on your feet. And I'm going to accept you and bring you back into my family, back into my home. Because I love you. I've been waiting for you. I have longed for you. And here you are. And then the brother gets word and he gets ticked. He gets mad. Because he was the good kid. He's the one that stayed home and did what dad said he was supposed to do. And why does he get to go out there and live a life of recklessness and abandon and go have fun in the world and go do all this stuff and then I'm at home stuck doing the chores and I'm, I'm doing all the work. Well, my friends, the thing we need to realize is the reason the prodigal came home is what's out there in the world doesn't satisfy. What's out there in the world doesn't feel that void, that need that's inside of our spirit. You see, we shouldn't get upset when someone has lived an entire life of, of bad mistakes and wrong decisions and comes to know Jesus at the end of their life because they finally found out what you have now, peace and hope and all those things that you find in that relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, the world, what they have to offer, it looks good. It looks fun, but if you've tasted it, you find out that it's fleeting. It doesn't do anything to build you up. It doesn't do anything to make you feel whole. It leaves you feeling like you have a bigger hole, that it needs to be filled more. Another thing that we, we miss is the father tells the, the son that stayed, he's like, you didn't ask. All of my stuff was here. Did you ask me for the fatted calf to go have a party with your pals? It was here the whole time. How many of us miss that blessing from God because we don't realize that it's right there, that, that he is willing and able and wants to give you your blessings. But you see, sometimes we think God is a genie. You know, you rub the lamp and it's like, all right, I got my three wishes. It doesn't work that way. You see, what you're asking for has to line up with his word and with what uh, he says. But when our hearts get in tune with the Holy Spirit, when our hearts get in line with what he's doing, then our desires start to change. And then he begins to put in us the things that he's like, all right, you want to do that? Let's go. Let's run. And then they celebrated. They threw a party. Why? Because that's who God is. He celebrates Heaven celebrates when people accept God's grace. They celebrate. And you may ask, well, what's all this talk of celebration? Well, you see, 
God's grace is the power into salvation. It's through his grace that we receive salvation through what Jesus did. It's our great hope. Look around you. This world needs hope, and you're carrying it. It's in your heart. It's in God's word. This world needs hope. That's why this is important, what this church coming together, the body coming together, it brings hope. As we do life together, we are encouraged by one another. So I encourage you, step out in faith and share with people what Jesus has done for you. Tell them about the hard times. Tell them about your good times. Tell them about your seasons of doubt, your seasons of confusion. And then tell them about your seasons of victory. Tell them about your seasons fill in the blank. Because you see, your story has power. And our perspective on where God is in, in where he's at in our time of need greatly impacts whether our faith grows. If you can recognize that, no, see, God didn't abandon me here. He walked with me. I didn't understand this season. I don't know why I had to go through it, but God was with me. He walked with me, and let me tell you about it. Yeah, Forrest, I understand that you're confused. But you see, I was confused once, and this is what God did. Forrest, I know you're doubting. I, I know that you got a lot of questions. But you see, Jesus walked me through that. Well, Forrest, I know you've got anxiety. I know you have depression. But you see, I did too. Let me tell you how Jesus brought me out of that. Gave me healing. Gave me hope. You see, when people hear your story of God's faithfulness in your life, it will give them hope. And when someone you're speaking with receives God's grace, heaven rejoices. My friends, heaven will celebrate when people accept God's grace. Heaven will celebrate. And the thing that's kind of awesome about these different parables is how they're, they're all different, but they're all linked together. You see the sheep, out of its own, I'm going to say this wrong, na naiv naivety, because it was naive, it wandered off. It didn't know that had it just simply let Moses know that it needed water, that he would have taken its water. If we would just know that if we would go to God with our need, we wouldn't have to go and try to figure it out ourselves. The coin, by no fault of its own, gets lost. Maybe bad teaching. Maybe someone you know has uh, w walked away and has lost because of a bad relationship. Or maybe like the prodigal son, by sheer rebellion, you get lost. But what's the response of God in all three stories? Celebration. Great joy. More celebration in heaven over that one sinner than over the people that don't need it. My friends, I'm going to say it again. You're going to get sick of it. Heaven celebrates when people accept God's grace. Now, do we need to humble ourselves and admit, admit when we messed up? Yes. Are there things that we need to do in our own lives that uh, move us closer to Jesus, that change our character? Yes. But the first step is simple. You come to him and you say, Father, I messed up. And he accepts you into his family. He accepts you into what he has for you. You see, God's grace is sufficient for everything that you've been through. He loves you. He wants you. And he wants to reveal himself to you. My friends, heaven will celebrate when people accept God's grace. And I, I challenge you. 
What would it look like if this church, if we as a body embraced that and shared with people our story of God's faithfulness in our lives? What would this valley look like if people knew of the hope that they could find in Jesus? Like I said last week and the week before, this, this isn't a one-man show. It's not about what I got to say. It's about what we have to say. Because you've got a story. You've got a powerful story. I can tell my story, but you need to tell your story. You see, and then when people start coming in here, we love them. We disciple them. We teach them. And then in turn, they go and they tell their story. My friends, I am praying and I am believing for a mighty outpouring of God's Spirit. I, I, I just, I, I, have, I have felt it for a lot of years now, but there's got to be just a, a great outpouring. But how does that happen? It happens through us, through the church, being a movement. The early church wasn't a church building. The early church was people getting together and talking about Jesus. They were a movement. Let's become that movement again. Let's do life together, build community together, and then us with heaven can celebrate when people accept God's grace. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace, and I thank you that there is celebration when we come to you. Father, I thank you that when we humble ourselves and we come to you and admit that we've messed up, that you are there to meet us with grace that you are watching afar off, waiting for us. You're drawing us. And we pray, Father, that you will put within us your words to share our story, that you would use us to impact our friends, our family, our co-workers, our neighborhoods, for your kingdom and for your glory. We love you and we bless you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I have a couple things, a reflection. I want you to take inventory of the way Jesus has moved in your life. Take time and think about what he's brought you through, how he's encouraged you, how he has changed you, and rejoice in that and thank him for that. And the challenge is tell that story. Like I already said, there's nothing more powerful than your story. There's nothing more powerful than you sharing what God has done in your life. Now, there's only two copies in the back, so I apologize. Um, but there's a, a really great book back there called Tactics. And it's a book that gives you pointers. If you have a hard time sharing your faith, it is a great book that gives you almost step-by-step -step ways to feel more comfortable in that type of conversation. So I encourage you, if you want to grab it, go grab it. If it's not there, I really recommend picking it up because it is a great book. And last, kiddos, don't forget your prizes in the back. And my friends, I am excited for what the future holds. I'm excited for what God is going to do through you, through me, through this church, because I, I think he's got something special plan for this place. So I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for being here. God bless.